Welcome to the Love Reaching Community's Sermon of the Week. For more information pertaining to the life of the church, please visit our website at lrcchurch.co.za. Good morning, everyone. I just want to make sure I don't go over, so I want to put a timer on there. So last time I tried to use this microphone, it, the last two times I tried to use this microphone, it stopped working, so I'm going to attempt to do it again. Daryl very politely told me that it's the end user problem, because when Lainey does it, there's no issues, so it must be me. <laughs> Can I pray? Our Lord, we just, we thank you that, as we sang this morning, it's all about you, Jesus. We thank you, Jesus, that we come here, we search at your word because it's about you, because we want to know you, we want to know you deeply. Lord, I pray this morning you would come and bring freedom, bring conviction, challenge us where we need to be challenged, challenged, encourage us where we need to be encouraged, Lord. How we love you. Amen. So to start with, I want to tell you about a story in the U.S. It's a, it's a story about a gunman, so it probably would be in the U.S. Um, 2014, a, one of the universities was having a bit of an event, and... Um, a guy walked in, a 26-year-old man with a firearm and started shooting people. And he killed one person, wounded two. And in trying to reload the, the firearm, a young gentleman, 22-year-old engineering student by the name of John Mias, got up, happened to have pepper spray, sprayed him in the face, and took him down. The rest of the students piled on him until the cops came. I want you to think about that for a moment. Our natural inkling turns around and says, there is someone there that deserves favor, that deserves award, that deserves something great, and there's someone there that's not. It's a natural inkling. We, we are naturally designed to, to look for justice, to look for right and wrong. Think about if I told you to compare Nelson Mandela with Joseph Stalin. We would have the same output. We would have the same result. Well, Mandela did some really, really wonderful things. Stalin, dictator, not so much. If I told you to compare someone like Oprah Winfrey, that's how you say her name, my mouth is dry, Oprah, let's just say it there, and Hitler, same thing. We look at someone like Oprah, someone like Mandela, and say, sure, we celebrate that. We look at the way that they, that they are, how generous they are, and we celebrate that. And we look at someone like, um, like Stalin, like Hitler, and we, and we don't. And there's a reason for that. That's the way we built. That's the way we designed, to look for justice. We find justice. And this morning, I want to talk about freedom. And I want you to keep those stories and those thoughts in your mind as I talk about freedom. Because there is a key to freedom in understanding how we look at that and how God sees people, not actions, but people. There is a difference, how we see it and how God sees it. And I want to, I'll get there. I have three points this morning. I'm going to tell you the three points, and then we'll look at them. So the three points are, first point is the offense of the cross of Christ. The second one is working it out in love. And the third one is walking it out in the Spirit. So when we look at those, those three, those, those, that example of John, John Mears and the other guy, we would say one deserves something, something positive, and the other one deserves something negative. We've been going through 
Galatians. So if you want to turn to Galatians chapter 5. I was given the privilege of speaking of Galatians 5. I say privilege because it is a fantastic piece of scripture. But to cover the whole chapter in one Sunday morning is a little bit challenging. But I'm going to attempt to do the best that I can. So let's read from verses 1 through to 12 to start with. It says, For freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to your yoke of slavery. Look, I, Paul, say to you that if you accept circumcision, Christ will be of no advantage to you. I testify again that every man who accepts circumcision, he is obliged to keep the whole law. You are severed from Christ. Another translation says, Christ has become of no benefit, is what another translation says. You are severed from Christ, you who would be justified by the law. You have fallen away from grace. For through the Spirit, by faith, we ourselves eagerly wait the hope of righteousness. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything, but faith through love. You were running well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? This persuasion is not from him who calls you. A little leaven leavens the whole lamp. I have confidence in the Lord that you will take no other view and that the one who troubles you will bear his penalty, whoever he is. And this is the part that I want to get to, very important. But, I, but if I, brother, so Paul's saying, if I continue to preach circumcision, if I'm, he's saying, if I'm still preaching circumcision, why am I, I've lost my place, I know what it says, but let me read it properly. Um, why am I still being persecuted? If, I continue, if I'm saying you must be circumcised, remember we're talking about the law case. Uh, some people are telling the Galatians that they must follow the law. He's saying if I'm still preaching that we must follow the law, why am I being persecuted? In that case, the offense of the cross has been removed. I wish, I, uh, uh, sorry, I wish that those who unsettle you would emasculate themselves. Think back about that story about John Mears and the other, the other guy who went in. You see, our natural tendency towards right and wrong says, you've done X, you deserve X. Done Y, you deserve Y. And the offense of the cross says that we might one day see Hitler in heaven. That is the offense of the cross because our natural inkling says, how can that be? Look how bad he's done. Look what he's done. There's no ways that can be possible. But the offense of the cross says what? The, the cross says, because of Jesus alone. That is salvation. And for the rest of this morning, I'm not going to use the word salvation. Because actually, Galatians doesn't use the word salvation. It uses the word justification. And in my understanding of Scripture, justification is one part of salvation from uh, sin. That one part says, let me just drink some water, sorry. That one part says, the word justification in the original text means, let me get the correct one, make sure I read it correctly. It says to render just or innocent and to be righteous. That's what justification means. To render just or innocent or to be righteous. So when we accept what Christ did on the cross, Christ on the cross plus nothing minus nothing. There it goes. Sorry. When we accept what he did on the cross, 
actually, that's justification. It's not about us. It's not about what we've done. It's not about what we're going to do. And we look at the whole, through the whole span of Galatians, what we've read. Every time, Paul comes back to that. It's not about what you're doing. It's not about how you can live. It's, that's not the case. It's about Jesus Christ and what he did on the cross. So I'm going I'm to refer to the word justification because that's the word that Galatians use, uses. So we have this option because Paul does say, as we read through here, he says that, let's go back to it in, in Galatians 5, at the beginning it says, um, verse, uh, verse 2, I testify again that every man who accepts circumcision, he is obliged to keep the whole law. So if we want to be justified, if we want to see, be seen as innocent before God by the law, there is only one way to do that, and that is to stand perfect according to the law. If we want to be justified by the law, we need to stand perfect according to the law. And none of us can do that. And that is why 1 John 1 verse, sorry, not 1 John 1 verse 9, John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he sent his only son that whoever would believe in him would die. So whoever believed in him would not perish but have eternal life. Forgot one of the most well-known scriptures and that's fantastic, eh? <laughs> So, so there's a, that's the reality. Is it's not about us. It's not about what we're doing. It's not about what we try to do. It's, we can battle all we want. But to be seen as innocent before God, the reality is that it's only through the cross of Jesus Christ. Because I can guarantee, I speak for myself, and I'm pretty sure I speak for most of us, we cannot do it on ourselves. I, when I read scripture in the Old Testament, I understand what the expectation was. I, I'm, I'm fairly sure, sure, I don't know for me, I'm far short of that. And the reality is that that's what the offense of the cross says. It's not about what you've done. It's not about, it's not about what you have done, good or bad. It doesn't actually matter. Salvation is there for all of us. And you know what? God pursues us earnestly. He will chase after us for that salvation. And we need to know that. I love what one of the authors say um, around this thing of works and trying to be justified by works. And he says, it's, what we try to do is we try to merit the merit of Christ. So Christ has gone. He's, he's paid the price for us. He's, it's on his merit that we get to heaven. When we try and merit that, we sell him short of what he did for us. And we, we don't get to heaven anyway. We can't, we can't add anything to what Christ did. It's just not going to happen. It's not going to work. So verse 1 says, stand therefore, in a, uh, so I'm reading from the New King James, I want to read it there. So he says, stand therefore in the liberty wherein Christ has made us free, and be not entangled again to the yoke of bondage. This thing of, of justification, when I read scripture, is about us and our spiritual standpoint before God. So when we are justified, when we've accepted what Christ did on the cross, our spirits identify with his, the, the, the punishment of sin, eternal punishment of sin, which the Bible says punishment of sin is death, um, and death, th that death is eternal, eternal separation from God. When I read scripture, that, I've lost my train of thought, that, that um, the freedom that we get is a spiritual freedom. We have freedom in Christ spiritually because we've been justified by the cross of Jesus Christ. And it's interesting when he says there, stand therefore in the liberty where Christ has made us free and be not entangled, use that word entangled to a yoke of bondage. And then you read in 2 Timothy chapter 2 verse 4, it says a, a soldier 
doesn't get involved in civilian affairs. But he, he aims to please the one who enlisted him. And if we think about that, put it this way, the, the, almost the soldier is the, the, the spirit side of us, and the, the civilian side is the man side of us. Once we've made the decision to be a soldier, we aim to please, please God. He enlisted us. It's not our work that got us into be soldiers. It was him. He called us. He put us in there. It's not us. Nothing we can do. But then we choose to, to um, remove ourselves from civilian affairs and not get entangled about in, a, in that again. We t- this flesh that keeps ra- raising its head, we'll get to that a bit later, this flesh that keeps coming and saying, no, but do this, do this, do this, we choose not to do that. It's a choice. So we, we've seen now, and we go back again, Paul, all through Galatians has said, we're not st- justified by grace. I've just touched on the, the, offense of cro- the offense of the cross. says that it doesn't matter what you've done, we will be saved. The next point is working it out in love. Because there is, we, we read through Galatians and we see that backwards and forwards between we, we're saved by grace, but there's still expectation of work. And how do we reconcile these two together? It's almost, he almost contradicts himself half the time. If, if, if we look at it in face value. If you turn to, uh, again, Galatians 5, chapter 13, uh, verse 13. It says there, but I'm just going to read 13 to 15. It says, For we were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you, do, if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. Do not use freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. And this comes back to that that what I mentioned earlier. When we get freedom because of what Christ did on the cross, there is a spiritual freedom we have. We are no longer under law spiritually because Christ paid the price. But there is still an expectation when you read Scripture of we need to choose something now. There's a choice that comes. But how do we choose that? What's the foundation of that? And he covers the chair very clearly. He says, for the law, the whole law, is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. That's the foundation of why we choose. He's just, he's just reiterating what Christ said when he was on earth. Christ said, he was asked by someone, what, what is the greatest commandment? I'm trying to catch Jesus out. And Jesus' response was twofold. Very simply, love God, love people. It was that simple. That was his response. Will you turn to Romans chapter 6, verses 15 to 19? On this thing of, of being set free and having freedom, but not allowing freedom, not, not using that freedom for the flesh. And that's a key thing there. So Romans 5, verses, sorry, Romans 6, verses 15 to 19. I would have got it right. Romans 6, verses 15 to 19. He said, Paul writing again, this time to the Romans, and he says, What then? Are we to sin because we are not under law but under grace? By no means. Do you not know that if you present yourselves to someone as obedient slaves, you are slaves to the one whom you obey? You are slaves to the one whom you obey, is what the, word, what the Bible says. Either, so he gives us two options here, either of sin, which leads to death, or slaves of obedience, which leads to righteousness. But thanks be to God that you who were once slaves of sin have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching which you were committed. And having been set free from sin, you became slaves to righteousness. 
I'm speaking in human terms because of your, your natural limitations. For just as you present your members as slaves to impure, as, just as you did uh, present your men, members to slaves as, of pure, to, as slaves to impurity and to lawlessness, leading to more lawlessness, so now present your members to slaves as slaves to righteousness, leading to sanctification. Important, it's, a, it's important to, to see that, that he says, we, this is another natural thing about human beings. We don't want to know that we're under slavery. We don't. But the Bible there says very clearly, we either choose to be slaves to the law, which will lead to death, because that means we have to keep the whole law in its entirety, or we choose to be slaves to righteousness, leading to life, leading to eternal, God, eternal salvation with Jesus. The difference is the, the, the foundation on it, which, we, which he says in Galatians 5. He says the foundation is love. You see, we choose to follow what God does because we love him. The Bible says that uh, says we choose to, uh, the, if you love me, you will follow my commandments. So we, we can't wipe away the expectation of, of the commandments, but the difference, and this is key, and I'm saying it over and over again because it's so key, is why do we follow the commandments? It's because we love him. That is the foundation. I wrote a couple of examples down. We, we invite people into our homes because the foundation is love. We have meals with people because the foundation is love. We have difficult conversations with each other where it says in Ephesians about, um, the guys in my home group will know I love this verse, uh, where it says we submit to one another out of, out of uh, fear of Christ. We have those difficult conversations that show we submitted to each other. Why? Because of love. We want to see each other fulfill what God has for them. Why? Because of the foundation of love. And that's why Paul says yeah. You shall, uh, he said, you know, that, that I'm going to read it again. Uh, for you are called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use freedom as an opportunity for the, for the flesh. But through love, serve one another. And what he said to the Romans is actually echoed in this word serve there. I went and looked at the original. That word means to be in bondage. It means to be a slave to one another. It's interesting. He says don't be a slave. But he says now be a slave to one another. Why? Because you love because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts. He's come. We've accepted what he did on the cross. We have chosen to follow him. And based off the back of that, we now love one another. And his love is working in our hearts to show to others. See the difference? There's a very key difference that we need to pick up. Someone threatened to phone me. I thought that was my phone. But my phone is on silent. Um. I love, Francis Schaeffer writes a book called True Spirituality. And in the book, he kind of sums this all up. And he says, when we got saved, what happened is we, we chose to accept what Christ did. And someone sat us down. If, you, if you've been saved for a while, this is what would have happened. And, and someone would have sat you down and said, okay, great, you've accepted Jesus. That's fantastic because it really is. And then he would have gone on to say, okay, what you should do is you should read your Bible every day. You should not do this. You should do this. And he gave us this list of do's and don'ts. In reality, that's what happened. I know that happened with me, and I'm pretty sure it happened with most people. And that list of do's and don'ts in itself is not wrong. But what Francis Schaeffer says is, he says, when you, when you tear away that list of do's and don'ts, because people either then move towards legalism, trying to save themselves, salvation, justification, trying to justify themselves by law, and they get fed up. So they tear away that list of rules, and, rules of do's and don'ts. And what, is it, what does he say? He says that... We're then confronted with what he calls the law of love, which is exactly what, what Paul says. Love God, love people. And we now choose 
how we live based on loving God or loving, and loving people. So then that brings me to my third point. Because, so that's all good and well. But how do we practically live this out? So, yes, we're justified because of what Jesus did on the cross. We have eternal relationship with him. And no matter how, in essence, that, that spiritual standing that we have isn't adjusted, isn't changed because of what we do or don't do. That's what the Bible says. We still have that eternal relationship with him. But now he's, Paul goes on to say, okay, but don't use this as a flesh. How do we do this? Don't, don't use that freedom for the flesh. How do we do this? Roman, sorry, Galatians 5, verses 16. I'm going to read the rest of it. It says, but I say, walk in the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Terry spoke about this this morning, and that, that's the, my third point, which we'll get, I'll speak about in a moment. So it says, walk in the, by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the spirit and the desires of the spirit against the flesh. For these two are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you do not want to do. I preached on this one once before, so I'm not going to spend ages on this because we've spoken about how the flesh and the spirit are always in a battle with each other. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under law. That, that verse is key. If we are led by the spirit, we are not under law. For the works of the flesh are evident, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, Jealousy, fits of anger, that one catches me out regularly, if I may say. Um, every time I read that, I said to my, my wife this morning, I, I said, every time I read that, I'm like, ah, I messed this one up. Um, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that who, those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. He's not talking about a once-off mistake. He's talking about Habitual. Those who habitually do things will do this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But, I, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. If you're led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Once we understand that we are led by the Spirit, we're not under the law, we're justified by Christ's work on the cross. The, 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 if you remember what we read earlier in Galatians, it's, sorry, in Romans, it says that we, we, we are choose to be slaves to the law, sorry, slaves to, to righteousness. We choose to be slaves to righteousness leading to sanctification. That is the second part for me of salvation. They, they said there's three parts. The first part is justification. The second part is sanctification. And that word means to be holy. The Bible often says, be holy because I am holy. But we can't do that. We need the Spirit to lead us in that. And that's why he says here, if you're led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. If we follow the Spirit, if we choose to see where he's going and align with him, we are not under the law. And you know what? The law loses its power of us. Sin loses its power of us. And we can then choose righteousness. 
Not, again, it's actually not because of us. There is a grace for walking out in sanctification. We need that. We can't do it on our own. What for, what the, the, the words I used here is what it does when we, are, when we choose to be, um, to be under, when, when we choose, let me get my words right. What, when we choose justification and then choose to be under righteousness, slaves to righteousness, what it does, justification says your spirit is in line with Christ. That's what he expects. And it then brings us flesh in alignment with our spirit. And that's not a 30-second journey. That's a lifelong journey. And that happens over time as we make decisions to live according to what he says. Again, when we mess up, does it change our eternal standing with God? Does it change the, the reality that our flesh, sorry, our, our, our spirit is identified with Christ and, and that justification, we're going to go to heaven? No, it doesn't change it when we mess up. It doesn't. But slowly over time, our spirit and our flesh become aligned. The flesh moves to become aligned to the spirit. That's what happens over time. Verse 24, it says, And those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. And that needs to happen. We need to choose to crucify our flesh, to, to lay it down, and choose to let the spirit lead us. Needs to be a choice through the powering of the Holy through the power of the Holy Spirit. But but that's all good and well. We might sit and say, that, that sounds fantastic. We'll walk out of here and say, Oh, great, we're gonna do this. You know what? There's a reality. We need the Spirit of God to walk us through that. We can't do that by ourselves. So in order to help us do that, I want to read you a snippet of a song. And this is in in just coming to close. There's a band called 10th Avenue North, and they write a song called Control. Uh, it's a four-minute song, so I didn't want to play it today. And the chorus says this. I want you to listen to these words carefully as what they say. It says, God, you don't need me, but somehow you want me. Oh, how you love me. And somehow that frees me to take my hands off of my life and the way it should go. God, you don't want me. So you don't need me. But somehow you want me. Oh, how you love me. And somehow that frees me to open my hands up and give you control. And the bird says, you want me. Somehow, you want me. The king of heaven wants me. So this world has lost its grip on me. I'll read that again. You want me. Somehow, you, God, want me. The king of heaven wants me. So this world has lost its grip on me. Hear that. This morning, God says, I want you. Where you sit and say, sure, how can God want me? Maybe you even identify more with someone as, as grossly kind of on the negative as Hitler. And you say, God, how could you want me? Understand this morning, does God need us? No. Does he want us? Yes. 
God wants you this morning. When we can settle that in our hearts, that God chose us and he will pursue us with all the passion and all the desire in the world, when we can settle that in our hearts, to crucify the flesh becomes a whole lot easier. To lay down what we want becomes a whole lot easier because we understand that God chose us. This morning, I felt just to respond in one of two ways. Maybe you're here this morning and you never knew that God wants you. Maybe you're sitting here and no one's ever said to you that, you know what, despite how bad or how good you think you are, Jesus wants you and he will continue to pursue you. Maybe this morning you're sitting here and you didn't know that. You haven't accepted or haven't realized how much he loved us that he gave his only son to die on the cross for us, for you. Maybe you didn't know that. If that's you this morning, the first step before anything else is to stand up and say, Lord, thank you. I love you. Won't you be my king? Won't you be my God? Be my savior. That's the first step. It's really simple. The second thing that I felt in terms of ministry this morning and what God wants to touch on is maybe you find yourself at a place where the sinful nature has creeped back in. The flesh has creeped back in. And God is saying to you this morning, let my spirit take control. He's saying, would you let love lead you? Would you let love come in and capture your heart again? This morning, if you feel like you're in one of those two places, can I ask you to stand up? 